Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello. You're listening to BFN. This is the podcast about IVF, infertility, and the trials of trying for a baby. And I am Emma. And I am Gabby. And we've both been trying for a baby for a really long time. And despite that, neither of us is currently pregnant. Hey, guess what? It's our 10th episode. 10? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, it's so exciting. The big one Yeah. I mean, it's been quite a journey, hasn't it? It's been an emotional journey. It's been great. It's been a physical journey because you have to come from Peckham to yeah, West London yeah, every time. A, yeah, it has been a journey for me. <laughs> it's been a, it's me been a lot of journeys. the Central Line and the Jubilee Line and the Overground <laughs> have really gotten to know each other very well. <laughs> lots of journeys taking place um what are we talking about this week gabs well we um we're talking a lot about sperm 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 spermy spermy sperm um <laughs> Great. that's because uh i was very selfish and decided that we should go off and interview a urologist well you were very selfish plus we got loads of requests yeah so. i mean it's it makes sense right very selfish of you uh male factor infertility is a very common issue it's everywhere it is everywhere. Everywhere you look. Yep. So we found one of the only urologists that seems to be out there. Yeah. <laughs> They're so few and far between. Yeah. And uh, for some reason, he invited us into his office to have a chat. Which is very nice. It was very nice. It was a very roomy office. Yes. Did some echoing. A little bit of echoing. But you will, I mean, we, we've got put a little warning beforehand, but you'll get used to it. Yeah, I think it's fine. Yeah. Um, and you're talking to Professor Tim. Yes, I also spoke to Professor Tim Child, who is medical director at Oxford Fertility. Mm-hmm. And um, why don't you tell him what I asked him about, Emma? <sighs> Gabby asked him about the quite ludicrous, frankly, suggestion that eating McDonald's fries after you have an embryo, um, embryo transfer, embryo transfer, is somehow going to help you. Yep. I mean, do it's I sound cynical? Stick. You sound a bit cynical, actually. Oh, I think you should have a bit more of an open mind, to be honest, Emma. Okay. I just want to eat fries. <laughs> this is it. I mean, any excuse. Yeah. I'm happy to go and eat fries. Yeah. I yeah. might just do it next time anyway, because I like them. Yeah. Exactly. Although they're very carby. Oh. In my old age, I find it quite hard to deal with that level of carbs. Oh, I don't. It makes my tummy go large. Give me a large fry. Give me a large fry. <laughs> give me some muck nuggets with muck them. Muck nuggets. Um... <laughs> 
um so yeah that's the that's what we were chatting about today um i think it's very interesting yeah good chats we've had loads of emails so many emails and it's so nice and it like it just makes us so happy in the middle of our working day yeah just like an email pops into the inbox i think i shed a happy tear the other day when i read one of them i shed a sad tear when i oh there was a yeah there was a sad tear as well for another one but it just but i was just like so oh it's so nice that um that people take the time to write to us and how they they react to this it's really really good um one particularly interesting email actually on the back of last week's episode drunken episode yeah so if you recall we were talking to hannah vaughan jones about um feeling jealous when we see baby on board signs yeah. and like god they're just bragging yeah. and we, were, yeah. <laughs> we were kind of talking about um like the fact that you don't you know people don't need to slow down just when they see that sign like yeah. it's just silly like con- conscious drivers would just not be dicks anyway right yeah conscious yeah. drivers are conscious drivers yeah Dicks are dicks. Dicks are dicks, yeah. Um, and someone helpfully wrote in to tell us why they those signs actually exist, which is not uh, so people slow down at all. Oh, why, why is it? It's so that if there is an accident, God forbid, that the ambulance um, people and the paramedics know which car to go to first. Oh, God. I know, it's a bit, it's a bit grim. Yeah, it's a bit grim. It's a bit grim, but it's very interesting. I had no idea that oh. that was the case. Yeah, well, there you go. Okay, thank you for that. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, and yeah, keep them coming, basically. And yeah, I am going to get my arse in gear and try and organise a, um, a meetup. Meet yeah. yeah, we had a little brainstorm the other day and we yeah, didn't really we go did. anywhere, did we? And then we realised that if we try and do it over Christmas, it might be a bit difficult, but we're going to try anyway. Yeah, Christmas party time. Yeah, and if not, we'll do it in January. And those of you doing dry January will just have to deal with that. Yes. I will not be doing dry January. Yes. Mm. Um. Anyway... Enjoy the show, guys. Yeah. Oh. Uh, in the meantime, uh, if you fancy yeah. following us on any of our social media channels, we would be in- incredibly grateful. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. At Big Fat Negative. On Twitter. At Big Fat Negative. Or you can email us. Big Fat Negative Podcast at gmail.com. Or Facebook. Which is just Big Fat Negative. I mixed that up there to confuse you. You did. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. I, I got really confused. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm going to okay. go cry now. <laughs> Brilliant, guys. Well, um, I hope you enjoy the episode. Bye. Bye. Gabs, how are you? Hey, I'm all right. Are you? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. I mean, I'm all right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've had a few uh, unfortunate incidents. Uh, actually, mainly one on Saturday. I um, Actually, we had been doing an interview and I was at, I just got home and I was in a rush. I needed to go to the vets to buy my cats their diet cat food because they're fatties. <laughs> and um, I closed the front door on my hand. Oh, Slammed cats. it on my hand. No. I know. And uh, my engagement ring broke. That is <laughs> really sad. It was the worst. It was literally the worst. It's, it's sad, but it's not a sign. No, well, so I got straight on the phone to my husband and he lost his wedding ring no. two or three weeks ago. Yeah, I know. And he, before I even said it, he was like, don't try and say that this is a sign. And I was like, <laughs> I would never have said that. I would never have said it's a sign, but it is really unfortunate. Like, <laughs> It is really unfortunate. If we weren't in a great place, yeah. I, you could definitely add some symbolism to that situation. Yeah. You could we take are. it as a sign. Yeah, we're pretty loved up, so it's fine. Yeah. However. You're a great couple. You're one of the best. Oh, thanks, buddy. But I'm without my, my sparkles. Oh, oh no. Lit. I'm gutted. I'm oh. going to take it and try and get it fixed. So if anyone knows 
um, any great places to get rings fixed in London. We bought it in Grey's Antiques, so I think we might just take it back there. Yeah, good idea. But, I got mine from Grey's Antiques. Yeah. Oh, I shouldn't say we. He bought it. Oh, yeah. He'll be angry with me about that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I bought mine. Oh, well, well, John was there. Yeah. Not in spirit. He was really hungover. <laughs> He's not that into it. Um, <laughs> oh, so yeah, so that's been a bit annoying. Um, what else is going on that's actually relevant to the podcast? Well, I feel like you've made an important decision. Um, well, yeah, kind of. So I'm going to um, going to the clinic tomorrow to, well, to speak to them about a couple of things. So firstly, I'm going to reveal my studies into my luteal phase defect so excited to find out the results you've got like several thousand women just hanging i know right waiting for the is result. it real is it all a figment of her imagination yeah nobody knows okay. um so i'm gonna go and speak to them about that and see if that is potentially a problem um and um, yeah i'm probably gonna talk to them about starting ivf as well okay yeah ah yeah i just i i i'm i should be in the hope zone now yeah it's that time of the month okay but um, I'm just not really in the hope zone. I just don't think it's going to work out for me in that sense. Well, you know, welcome to the fun club. I know. You're going to learn important skills like how to inject yourself. That is important, I think. You, yeah, you're going to learn how to like use pessaries and suppositories. i always wanted to be better at that. Nasal sprays and other things that you stick in yourself. Oh, yeah. great. Oh, just what joy. You're going to be a medical expert. joy coming my way. Great time. Hey, well, I know it's, you know, it's not great, but I'm part of a community now and yeah. I feel like you guys are all going to get me through it. We are. So, We're here for you. <laughs> exactly. I feel like I'm in a good position. Great. Um, so yeah, I'm going to speak to them about that and see when we might start. I, I suspect I might start in January. Okay. That's a bit of a way away, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But they, well, I need to speak to them. I think the clinic is pretty much closed in December. And so I doubt I'd be able to start in like soon enough to get it Mm -hmm. done before Christmas. Yeah. I don't know. I need to speak to them. Yeah. They should be able to tell you. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's, um, that's news, isn't it? That is news. That's something happening potentially. It's, It's an affirmative action, which always feels good. Yes. Yeah, exactly. The kind of, the control Thing. yeah yeah i've made a decision yeah so gonna go and have a chat to them about that which is good um other than that i've basically just been doing lots of soul searching about the vitamins slash alcohol that i consume okay yeah i'm uh, i'm i'm a bit i don't know i'm just i've been very relaxed about my diet and my consumption of the occasional glass of wine mm-hmm. but i'm wondering whether i need to change my style a bit I don't know I'm wondering whether I need to I know last week we all heard from Professor Tim that a little bit is fine but there's a difference between a little bit and a lot yeah yeah I mean I can get a bit carried away on a Saturday night don't we all mate (laughs) I mean so much so that I've currently got a temporary tattoo from a Mexican restaurant on my (laughs) forearm I can't get off and had to sit through (laughs) meetings today trying to cover it up so so yeah, you know, I don't know, I don't know. And also I've been drinking flat whites, as previously discussed, without any care for the amount of caffeine that I'm consuming. So I'm also worried mm. about that. I don't know whether I should do, I should knock that on the head too. Um, I think it's a very personal choice. Yeah. I think some people go absolutely berserk with that stuff. Mm. And sometimes I feel like maybe it's more 
and I've gone a bit berserk so you know I'm coming from a place of knowledge but it's more as a way of control like feeling that you're in control yeah but that's not a bad thing because if that makes you feel good and like positive because when I when I do that it's so that I feel positive when you stop when I like yeah when I kind of restrict my diet a bit Mm. you know they you, you get people saying drink pomegranate juice like eat protein don't drink caffeine blah 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 and when I do that I feel more in control well you're making positive choices Mm -hmm. and yeah I suppose that's got to feel good yeah something you can actually do so yeah I'm starting to feel like maybe it might be time to to restrict my intake of drink and drugs And by drugs, I mean caffeine, of obviously. Of course, yeah. Um, I wouldn't think anything else of you, Gabby. <laughs> and uh, so that's interesting. I mean, I spoke to my mum about it and my mum was just like, look, I've listened to the podcast and I know I should never tell you to relax. Oh, However, when it comes to these things, I think you should just probably just relax. <laughs> I was like, well, that's it. I think there's two schools of thought, aren't there? Because like I was saying to my husband the other day, I was like, should we be home making beetroot juice? Mm. and he was like look that's gonna do weird things to your head he was like you're already drinking pomegranate juice you're already doing like all these other things Mm. you're taking these supplements i started like self-dosing myself with aspirin yeah um he was like just i i don't think you should go and like I, i'm i'm straying from using the word like crazy because some people do this and it makes them feel good and it definitely makes you healthier yeah but it's just about, I don't know. Well, it's not being miserable, I suppose. Yeah. It's quite important, isn't it? Um, so we'll see. I don't know I don't know how that's going to pan out. It is October. Mm. Stoptober. Yeah, or yeah. Sobertober. Sobertober. Yeah, that's my fave. What about stop sober? Stop, stop being sober. <laughs> <laughs> not a problem. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, yeah, and well, a part of this is also the kind of, the like vitamins I'm taking as well I'm mm-hmm. like should I be taking more like I take um the preconception from Pregnacare yeah but I'm like today I went to Holland and Barrett and bought some cod liver oil tablets very good and I bought some selenium Ooh. for my husband which is apparently good for sperm sweet yeah so so I'm starting to make those kind of little changes mm-hmm. we'll see <laughs> cool yeah I'm probably going to have a glass of wine then <laughs> to celebrate. <laughs> celebrate being good. Yeah, no, uh-huh. I'm not, I'm not. I'm going to try Sobertober. We'll see how we get on. Do you want to know about my week? How are you, Emma? I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went to the clinic today. Oh, yeah. yeah. I had my baseline scan. Mm-hmm. It was my day 10 scan best case scenario okay so actually i should explain first because i got quite a lot of messages after i put something on instagram so because i'm doing a natural frozen embryo transfer cycle or natural ish um it means that we're we're essentially waiting for me to ovulate because that's how they measure when to put the embryo back so um it's a six-day blastocyst so they will put it in six days after i ovulate Mm -hmm. great great vibes Great times all round. Yeah, party time. Last time we tried this, I didn't ovulate until day 32. So, um, yeah, that's cool. So you're worried about ovulation again? Well, yeah, so I went to the clinic and she was looking for a leading follicle. So that is a follicle that is notably bigger and 
juicier than the others. The Usain Bolt of follicles. Yeah. And there wasn't one. There were two kind of smallish ones. And it's a day 10 scan and my periods tend to drag on a little bit long and my cycle's a bit like mm, skew whiff mm. sometimes. And mm. last time I ovulated on day 18. So I shouldn't really be worrying about it, but I did worry about it because anxious is my natural state. Yeah. Oh. So... Yeah, I really wasn't sure because when you said um, you've, you haven't got a leading follicle, I was like, why do you need follicles? Yeah. You've, you don't need, you've got your eggs, mate. Yeah. And then you explained, I was like, oh... So the nurse is like, the nurse, I love her. Chantelle is like my fave. And when I see her smiling face, like I feel like there's so much hope in my world. Oh. But um, she she was like, look, if there's no, if you haven't ovulated by day 21, don't worry about it. We'll start you on some drugs. She was like, could be Bucerolin, could be other stuff. Um, and, you know, and then all you have to worry, and that like suppresses your ovaries. So mm. then all you have to worry about is having a great lining. Yeah. Which I'm already quite worried about. So... It's fine, but I'm quite keen to do this naturally because that means that if it doesn't work out, we can just start again next month and just yeah, keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so and so, mm. I know it's natural. So, are you going to be doing any um, additional drugs? You... I probably will do uh, progesterone. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask about. For the same reason that you are worrying about your luteal phase, I've got definitely got a shortened luteal phase yeah so because you know like last month I ovulated on day um 18 and I had my period came on day 28 and in between there was quite a lot of spotting right so I you know and and progesterone can kind of help support you support your hormones I should say as well I meant to explain earlier to people who haven't done loads of research into luteal phase defect um basically what it means is that your egg might be um fertilized Mm -hmm. um but it doesn't have enough time for when it gets from the fallopian tube to the womb to implant before your period starts because there's not enough progesterone to keep the lining nice and thick and fresh Mm -hmm. and it's you start your period before it's even had a chance which is just mean i think yeah it's harsh on its way down it's like i'm coming down i'm coming up yeah except is it down or up i don't know okay um but yeah your period starts before it's even got a chance and it gets flushed out yeah and that's just mean yeah definitely so, so that's what the problem is and that's not well it could be my problem but i mean i've got no tubes yeah. it could, <laughs> i don't know oh well, yeah <laughs> um, and it may also not be my problem i'm yeah. just uh you know self-diagnosis yeah but I, yeah i'm gonna take progesterone um so yeah i I was cautiously optimistic and now I'm just cautious I think yeah I just don't want to get too like upbeat about it and then just have my hopes dashed so yeah it's hard and also I was like at the beginning like literally this morning I was like and of course yeah you know if they wanted me to take drugs I just absolutely wouldn't and now I'm just like mm, am I that strong yeah maybe I'll, <laughs> maybe just, I'll, take I'll just get some Aww. needles out and do some injections well, it is going to happen. You Eventually. know, your last couple of cycles have been good. Mm, no, your no. last cycle. Yeah, my last cycle was okay. As in you ovulated on time. Yeah, yeah. That's what Ish. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. So we'll see. But this week, should I tell you what else happened? Oh, yes, please. I fully gave up caffeine. <gasps> and O-M-F, God. <laughs> I... Honest, I drink one cup of coffee a day, right? Okay? I yeah. have, first thing in the morning, my alarm goes off at 25 past five. Oof. I get to work by half past six. Eesh. I need 
a freaking cup of coffee. Yeah, you need a coffee. And essentially, I've given it up. My one thing. And oh my God, the symptoms that I have experienced. Three day headache. Oh my God. I just, in this extreme tiredness that just meant that I like had to go to bed at nine o'clock every night. Which is only half an hour earlier than I usually yeah, get to bed. I was but, say, that's I <laughs> but I really needed to go to bed. <laughs> like, and also just muscle ache. Right. Like all, like my lower back and bum and hips oh and calves. Oh God. Just so sore. And do you, um, do you drink tea as well during the day? No. That's, you don't even drink tea? No. Oh my God, I'm like changing tea. my mind. Did I just say I was going to give up caffeine? Oh, I'm taking it right back. I just, I did not expect that kind of withdrawal symptoms at no, all. No, I mean, I've heard that it can be quite bad. Definitely. I don't, I don't think any of us give caffeine the respect it deserves no. as a drug. I think we're all like, yeah, but it's, you know, everyone drinks a latte. It's fine. Yeah, I do miss them though. Just all I want is a latte. Yeah. I've I been... quite like decaf though. I had a decaf um, flat white this morning and it was nice. Doesn't keep you going at 5.30am, pal. No, that's the thing. It does not. I have kind of regular working hours, so <laughs> I don't really need necessarily yeah. such a pick-me-up. It's insane, but you know. I'll, I'll get over it I've had a lot of very supportive messages from people so to all those who sent me messages being like you can do it I really appreciate power it power through the withdrawal yeah stay strong mate yeah oh it's been really hard <laughs> it's gonna be worth it because we'll tell people why what why, why are you giving up caffeine okay specifically so, um I'm all about creating the best lining I can create Yes. And my lining is going to be its best self. Yes. It's, it'll be living its best life. You're enabling your lining to be an ambitious winner. Yeah. On the Emma stage. Exactly. And one thing that caffeine does is it constricts your blood vessels. So the reason you get a headache after you give up caffeine is because um, all this blood comes rushing into your head because your um, blood vessels are kind of opened up a little bit. And rushing into your uterus. Well, that's what we're hoping. Yes. yes. So, yeah, it's just my effort to create this really great womb lining. Hmm. Um, and we'll see what happens. Well, I'm going to give it as well, a go as well. I'm going to yeah? in solidarity. with the decaf this week. Yeah, okay. Yeah. why not? Help. I'll do it. I'm in the hope zone. <laughs> it might help my lining. <laughs> I'm up for it. Sweet. Well, great. I'll yeah. hold you to that. Yeah. <laughs> So we did this interview with Jonathan Ramsey. Yes, who is? He is a consultant urologist specialising in male fertility treatments. He is the consultant urologist. The, well, we worked that out, didn't we? Yeah. It seems everyone knows who he is. Absolutely, he's always a star. He is a superstar. Um, we did it in his office, which is in a like great big Victorian Georgian type Edwardian terrorist building yeah um in his big airy quite echoey office mm. so you are going to hear the sounds of for example builders and air conditioning units yeah that was really good when that came on it was really great so please accept that as a kind of atmospheric yeah thing it'll be like you're in the room with us absolutely and that's good yeah and you will get used to the echoiness yeah it's just all part of the atmos so apologies for that, but we hope you enjoy the interview because it was very useful. Very useful. Particularly for me. Yes. <laughs> and he just knows so much. He's he does. He's a man who knows a lot, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, he's a really nice guy and he knows his stuff. Enjoy. Um, Jonathan, thank you so much for finding time to speak to us. 
Um, I guess the first question is, there's been quite a lot in the press at the moment about male factor infertility and the fact that couples are often sent for IVF without really treating the primary problem. Do you agree that that's an issue? Well, it's not so much just often, but typical. And this isn't anybody's fault. This is the way that fertility treatments have developed. And what really happened was that in the early 90s, the process of ICSI, of intracytoplasmic sperm injection, was developed. And suddenly there was an apparent solution for men with very low sperm counts. Because before that it was known that IVF, that is putting the sperm with the eggs, wouldn't work unless the sperm counts were at least 5 million or maybe 10 million. Uh, so this is nobody's fault, but within socialised medicine, uh, the healthcare providers are using IVF with ICSI as the currency of fertility treatment. So what, what else is there? What are the other options out there for men who find themselves with either a low sperm count or with problems with the shape of their sperm? I think we have to remove ourselves from the parallel universe, which is IVF treatments. Now, what do I mean by a parallel universe? Well, this failure to naturally conceive, 50% of which is due to the male, is not held as being a diagnostic problem. In fact, as your question suggests, nobody takes any notice at all of the fact that the sperm count may be low, or the sperm may be immotile, or there may be absolutely none that look normal. But actually, for a youngish man who looks after himself, there must be something wrong. I mean, crikey, if we were zookeepers and it was a panda, we'd be worried. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. But if it's a bloke, everybody just shrugs their shoulders and says, all right, we'll do IVF with ICSI anyway. Mm -hmm. And so it has come to be written, it is folklore, that there isn't any point further investigating the man on the basis that there isn't anything you can do. So why not just do the IVF with the ICSI? Mm. All roads lead to this solution. But actually, of course, how would we know that there isn't anything you can do if actually we've never done it? Because for the last 25 years, the universally applied solution has been IVF with ICSI. And, and what's, what's the effect of the, that kind of male factor problem not being solved? Is there a ramification? I think, I think there are three principal effects. I think the first is that we are failing to diagnose treatable conditions. And some of those conditions are highly relevant. So... If a man has what we refer to as hypogonadism, so a general underperformance of the testicles, then as the years go by, the effect of that low testosterone will be to create a condition known as the metabolic syndrome, in which he finds it difficult to lose weight, 
He may have difficulty controlling his blood pressure. He is at risk of diabetes and indeed at risk of heart attack and other serious cardiovascular disorders. And all of this may first have been evident when he presented in his late 20s with a low sperm count and a low testosterone. Of course, there are many other conditions associated with male infertility, proper conditions. And one doesn't want to to scaremonger in any way. But of course, some men may have undiagnosed infections. Not that any serious illness results. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, this is... uh, There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Less than ideal situation. So that's things like chlamydia and... And other little organisms, urea plasma, mycoplasma organisms that are difficult to grow with funny names. (laughs) So we may discover these. Um, And certainly I take the view that knowledge is power Uh and ignorance in this situation is nowhere. So we may detect medical conditions. We may detect uh, a varicocele, which again isn't dangerous, but uh, large varicoceles in association with low sperm counts may, may be relevant. And that's, that's sort of like a varicose vein in your... It's testicle. a bunch of veins, yes. Mm. It's a varicose vein around your, usually your left testicle, which tends to act like a heat jacket and mm. warm the testicles up. So you asked me why we would do this. I said that why we should investigate the male, and I said there were three reasons. The first is about diagnosing medical conditions. The second, I think, is important, and that is about treating the man as a patient. Because again, we, I come back to the parallel medical universe where with every other condition, however trivial it may seem, then the standard reaction of the doctors is to take a history, listen to what the man says, or the woman, do some investigations, 
make a diagnosis and on the basis of the diagnosis either treat or reassure. Well, of course, none of this happens to our poor man with a low sperm count. None of it at all. Now, this is emasculating because already he's been told that uh, he has a low sperm count. But in the absence of investigation, diagnosis and treatment, there's a sort of hopelessness about this. And I don't think that that is good medicine. And thirdly, this is bad psychology because... Without an explanation and with the implication that nothing can be done short of a very complicated intervention, that is IVF with ICSI, which is going to involve his partner in uh, invasive procedures and may not be very pleasant, he feels at a loss to help, really. He can't really contribute. He can't even talk about his own contribution or not to this situation. He is, to put it simply nowhere in this. And if we take it one stage further, the consequence of being nowhere is that he begins to wonder about his worth, even as a sperm vehicle. Because if natural insemination isn't going to work, and if, as we know, IVF with ICSI is more likely to fail than succeed, then he may develop the view that the whole of this is utterly pointless. So, I believe that it is wrong not to make a diagnosis for physical medical reasons. It is not wrong not to make a diagnosis because then there is no information down the line about the man's condition. And I think it is wrong not to make a diagnosis because the psych- psychological effects of this can be extremely pernicious. Is that something you see a lot of with your patients, that they have been kind of, I suppose, left alone and not, not helped emotionally as much as physically? Well, of course, once again, I, would, I, I absolutely don't blame anybody in this. But it's all about the uninte- unintended consequences of doing nothing. So as doctors and as professionals, we are constantly reminded of the dire consequences of doing the wrong thing. And we may or may not be encouraged by the positive consequences of doing the right thing. But seldom does it happen that professionals do precisely nothing, no comment whatsoever. Because we are, as doctors, we like to give, whether it's a prescription or, you know, a smile or a diagnosis, some other treatment, even if it's the laying on of hands. But in this circumstance, again, we're back to our parallel universe, universe, you give nothing at all. Not a hint, not a word. So, and this is nobody's fault. It has just come to be written that the consequence of not having a baby is IVF and the consequence of having a low sperm count is just bad luck. I read somewhere that you said that there's just not enough of you, you being urologists in this practice area. Is that, is that the case? It probably remains the case. But this is largely, of course, because there aren't very many training centres, because there are not very many places that have enough patients referred in their own right to make a sufficient practice Mm. to be able to train. So it's a a consequence of lack of awareness among 
general? Well, it's because the men are being referred with their partners mm-hmm. to a fertility unit. So they are banged up. Mm. Yeah? Out of reach. <laughs> yeah? yeah? For urologists, it is not the case that general urological clinics are full of men with low sperm counts. They're all elsewhere. Mm. So, you know, coming from a kind of practical point of view, because I know, you know, we've had so... I put on our, um, our Instagram today that we were seeing you and I had probably about 20 messages with things that they wanted to ask you. You know, if, if you're struggling to have a baby, what are the signs you should be looking for that suggest that it might be coming from the male partner rather than the female partner? So I think that there should be a relatively low threshold for having a semen analysis. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, the semen analysis is open to huge biological variation. Mm. So men need to be aware that they shouldn't have one done if they've been ill, that they should clean up their lifestyle, um, tidy it up a bit, you know, just (laughs) keep keep the alcohol down to what the dreary old government suggests. Yeah, don't be too corpulent. Don't go mad in the gym and get too hot. But just take the usual lifestyle precautions which are out there all over the place Mm -hmm. and then have a low threshold for a sperm count. Because the thing about semen analysis, sperm counts, is that at both ends of the spectrum, they are informative. So if your semen analysis is plumb normal, that's a jolly good start. If, having tidied up your lifestyle, it's awful, that's actually rather a bad start. And you should seek, if you're in the latter case, some further advice. So I think it's all about where a man puts that threshold. And and by that you mean, you know, percentages of morphology and... Well, no, I mean the threshold of being investigated. Right, okay. mm. After how long should mm. a couple in their early 30s think about both of them being investigated? Not both of them going to a fertility unit, because mm. the threshold for that is much higher. Yeah. It's much longer. Mm. But if a couple are together and it's all fine for a year, and they're not rushing around all over the world you know, flying in opposite directions and crossing time zones, meeting on the other side of the world infrequently, if it is not like that, then after 9, 10, 11 months, they should be thinking about having a semen analysis done under decent circumstances. Mm. Um, That's um, an interesting thing for you to say because we've commented a few times about... um, getting a semen analysis done and it seems ridiculous to me that my husband would have to cross London with his pot in his pocket um, is there a perfect situation to produce that or does that really matter I mean should it be fine that he has to go from one side to the other well as long as he keeps it warm So, yeah. uh, and sperm's pretty hardy stuff actually it's surprisingly res- resilient Right. it just likes warmth Okay. Um, But not too much warmth? No. So it's body temperature. I think the main thing is to get the message that producing sperm, though a little bit worrying, because you see many people think about this, it's a bit of a big deal. Um, Quite a lot hangs on this. 
So not only is it an unnatural act in an unnatural place, but what, what are they going to say? Is this going to be devastating news? It is uh, likely to be a result of much more importance than almost any other medical test, laboratory test, undertaken in a seemingly fit young man. Mm. Um, and we underestimate this. We say, oh, it's just a test, you know, just nip into the little room and produce mm. it. It's easy. Well, it may be easy, although it isn't for many people, but the consequences may be extreme, and nobody quite considers that. It's always said, oh, just go and do a sperm test. Mm. I mean, for the ladies, just go and do an ovary test when the result may be, sorry, you've no eggs, age 31. I mean, just think of that. Mm, yeah. And it's binary. That's it. You know, Tuesday the 24th of September, stuffed. Mm. No sperm. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't, we, we, we give, we treat this too casually. Mm. But that's not to say we shouldn't be doing it with a lower threshold. So when a patient is referred to you, what process can they expect to go through? What kind of tests can they expect to have? And so all men need more than one semen analysis mm. because of the biological variation, because they might have been to three stag parties, three stag weekends <laughs> in Bratislava, <laughs> wearing an Elvis Pesley wig and carrying a litre of vodka at all times. We were told uh, that the first ones out are the, often the most... The first stags? The, fir <laughs> the, first, the first sperms. Yes. Are, are often the... What was the... They're better. They're better? Yeah. Usually, yeah. yeah. The winners. A bit like the first tag. Yeah, so they're going to need to have three analyses, particularly when the first one has shown no sperm, because this diagnosis of azoospermia, that is no sperm at all, may in fact be cryptospermia, meaning that there are a few sperm, but the crypto word means hidden. Okay. So the you only, they, well, you only find them if you look very hard and spin the specimen in a centrifuge so that you, you, you look more carefully. So three analyses are good. Okay. And then you can get a feel for where we are on the spectrum. Uh, is it actually normal-ish or is it persistently subnormal? Mm. And what one needs to think when looking at semen analyses is given this person's circumstance and his partner's circumstance, is the chance of a natural conception more or less or the same as if they had IVF tomorrow? And then we begin to differentiate between who might be treatable to get them into the next category and who, in any case, is probably just better advised to go and have the IVF. But this will be a far fewer number and seen at an earlier stage than are currently straight away referred to the fertility unit. Mm. So we are putting a meaningful diagnostic step in before we end up in the fertility unit, therefore inevitably going to have IVF. And so um, you mentioned varicocele. So we, we of course examine the patients physically. 
And that's where you will find most significant varicoceles. Mm. And you will also detect if there are any other abnormalities. It's not uncommon nowadays, uh, a transient population, to see young men who have who have undescended testes that have never been detected. Then, of course, we may discover some other abnormality of the testicle itself. Many of these men, particularly those who've had undescended testes in the past, should have ultrasound scans because there's a higher incidence. It's not that high, but there's certainly a higher incidence of tumours of the testicle. Mm. So the physical examination is very important. Very easy to measure the hormones. Very easy when the situation is severe to do some simple genetic tests. And nowadays, um, for more advanced tests, we may be looking at the DNA in the sperm uh, itself. So, so there's actually quite a lot of sensible stuff mm. we can do. And of course, when we're sitting there, we can genuinely say to the man, well... Okay, so it's not a normal sperm count, but let us be clear that the chance of a natural conception still exists. It's there. When it comes to varicocele, I've read that um, they're never really sure if treatment of that will actually make a difference to sperm quality. Okay, so it makes a difference in that it moves you up a category. So if you have virtually no sperm or even none you might get into if you and you have a significant clinical varicocele you might get into a zone where you have enough sperm to have IVF with the ICSI technique and certainly where the varicocele is significant so clinically evident when you examine people and when you do an ultrasound scan you can actually measure the veins mm. And they may be greater than than uh, two and a half millimeters in diameter, so they're quite big and hot. Mm-hmm. Then those people will improve their semen parameters, um, and so you might be able to nudge at the other end of the spectrum a man who has no natural conceptions and is facing IVF. You could be able to nudge him into the next category up, mm. which is a natural conception. Now, interestingly, we have always used size of varicocele as a discriminator for whether or not you should treat it. But nowadays, we can use other things, such as the DNA quality of the sperm. Because if you are in possession of a varicocele, a low-ish sperm count, and the DNA quality of your sperm is poor, then by treating the varicocele, you will up the DNA quality of the sperm. Mm. So... So we're, we're gathering more measuring tools here, more yardsticks, yeah. to actually define the role of these treatments. But the role of varicocele has for years been understated because if 12.5% approximately of men have a varicocele, which is true, and if 40% of subfertile men have a varicocele, then the association is made. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be a genius mathematician to Mm -hmm. work out that there is a Venn diagram there with an overlap 
of varicocele and fertility beyond the percentage that you find in the general male population. So the contention that treating a varicocele doesn't make any difference was always, in my opinion, intellectually bankrupt. So while we're, while we're on the kind of subject of the quite specific conditions, yes. um, one of our listeners, um, I, I won't go into all the kind of very specifics that we were asked, but one of our listeners said her husband had been rendered infertile by chemotherapy. Chemotherapy is, uh, is of course, a very variable treatment. So there is a lot of variation, therefore, in the response of the uh, testicular mechanisms to create sperm or to be damaged by that chemotherapy. So the standard advice to store sperm by freezing before any chemotherapeutic intervention is of course sensible. Mm -hmm. But if you stand back and you look at all men treated with chemotherapy and you look to see what happens to them thereafter, it is by no means all of them who will have no sperm. Mm. By no means. Overall, it'll be about a third who have been significantly damaged such that they cannot father children. And can their fertility be restored? Does it, is it just a matter of time and healing, or, or is it that it? Well, at the moment, that's it. Okay. Um, but you may need a lot of time. You may need more time than many doctors suggest, which is three or four years. Mm. I've seen sperm, a few sperm return after five and six years. Um, so, so if ever there was a subject in which individuality, both in terms of the man, his age, the nature of the illness, the mm. nature of the treatment... If ever there was a matter of individuality that that means that there is no rule to fit all, then it is in the issue of chemotherapy and uh, and preservation of male fertility. Um, you mentioned not at the moment just then. Is there any kind of big research projects that you're aware of that are taking place to find more solutions? Well, there's always been a lot of interest in preserving cryopreserving, sperm-producing cells. And what about for other, other kind of um, conditions that you treat? Are you, are you seeing any like big, exciting projects coming down the line at the moment? Okay, so I think the more sophisticated tests of sperm quality are very important. All of the, uh, the tests that look at the quality of the DNA within the sperm, I think, are very useful because they help us to define, at the moment, who may and may not succeed in their fertility treatments. And I think in the future, they may help us to define whether a man's fertility is being reduced because of something that is happening to his sperm after production, or whether this is a production phenomenon. In other words, whether this was a man who was destined to be subfertile, or whether he is fundamentally fertile, but that various other things are reducing his fertility. 
So I think this is a very exciting area. Mm. Am I right in saying that um, fertility clinics don't systematically do DNA tests on sperm? Is that something that you'd have to ask for specifically? So the DNA test is not in the funding envelope, as no other male tests are in the funding envelope. But the DNA test is not in the funding envelope within even private clinics. So, of course, what happens is that the uh, doctors in the fertility units who are beginning to see the importance or the possible facility of these DNA tests have to sell it to the patients. And they know that this is going to be an extra cost Mm -hmm. beyond the tariff for the IVF and that therefore this in some way may detract from the central purpose of the fertility unit, which is to do IVF. The fact that you may be able to modify the male's fertility to enhance the effect of the IVF, of course, is not universally accepted, Mm. nor is it universally proven, because it is very, very difficult to prove that anything in the context of IVF, makes any difference at all because you need so many couples. You need 2,500 or more to show a statistically significant difference. Mm. So even when there are reports of 500 of this or 600 of that, 383 of that, actually, statistically, these are often meaningless. Dr. Ramsey, thank you so much for doing this for us. It's been a real pleasure and a real kind of fact-finding mission for us as well. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Good. Anytime. So, now it's time for Old Wives Tales. Fact or fiction. Yeah. Um, We are addressing a fucking weird one this time. (laughs) We really are. Um, And a few people have actually asked us to, to... put this to press tim yeah um so what did you talk to him about so i asked him whether uh eating mcdonald's fries after an embryo transfer will help the embryo to implant and get a pregnancy i mean it's absolutely bizarre it's very strange we only heard this from cat didn't we cat strawbridge brought it up yeah, yeah but since she said it i've seen it everywhere yeah i keep seeing people being like i'm eating mcdonald's fries and i'm like and Okay, so the the basis of this is that salt and fat is good for you, right? Or like helps after an embryo transfer for reasons I don't yeah, quite surely. understand. Yeah, surely. Well, it can't be to do with the brand McDonald's. No. Yeah. But I mean, connotations with a Happy Meal, I guess, you know? I do. I, I mean, I think they've just done some great product placement somehow. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Kids do love McDonald's. So yeah, if you enter McDonald's at the very beginning of their lives... <laughs> oh, but... Well, one thing I would point out is that they've changed their recipe in the last like ten years or so, so that they're less salty. Yeah, no, it's rubbish. Yeah, I anyway, want the salt. If I'm going there for fries, I want the full shaboozle. Yeah, I want to be like salty as. Yeah, they're so delicious. They are delicious. Do you ever put them in McDonald's shakes? Yes. Is that really weird? I every time I tell somebody that they're like, oh, that's disgusting. Really? Yeah. No, You're literally the only person I've ever no, met that does that. Loads of people do it. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. John thinks I'm disgusting. <laughs> I mean, it is disgusting. It's delicious. <laughs> I had had no. I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I had no idea that you did that. I didn't know oh, other people did that. I mean, yeah, it's good. Chocolate. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I wouldn't have any other shape. Oh, no, I wouldn't either. No. Although they all kind of taste the same because they all go through the same thing. Oh, <laughs> so. God. I mean, they are disgusting. They're rank. But delicious. But so, yeah. So we thought it'd be good to find out if there is any science behind it. Yeah. Because, yeah. Where did it come from, though? I've got no idea. Who started this rumour? I've got no idea. <laughs> Who did it? Uh, it probably won't be that much of a surprise what Professor Tim says about it. But yeah. here he is. Take it away, Tim. So I've never, ever heard that one before and that was a, that was a surprise on me um I, I i absolutely can't see how there would either be a benefit or no benefit of eating fries from any place um after an embryo transfer so i think if people want to have some fries afterwards to just to celebrate having reached the milestone of um, having had the embryo transfer then i think that's absolutely fine um but i wouldn't go out of my way to have them Right. Um, so I suppose the assumption might be that having salt or the fat in the fries might be good. Um, it may be an assumption, but there's certainly no there's no sort of medical reasoning or logic why the, the the salt or the fat within the fries would be of any benefit, particularly just a you know sort of one off of just having some straight after the embryo transfer. Um, it's fair to say that having that, that the diet side of things is fairly. Um, uh, not very well, not very well studied, um, and so the data can be conflicting. But overall, I think having a healthy diet leads to improved fertility rather than eating lots of fast food. Um, having fries as a, as a one-off, I, I don't think that's going to make any difference one way or the other. Okay, thanks, Professor. Tim. That's really helpful. And that's the show, guys. Yeah, that's a wrap. Should we go and get some McDonald's to celebrate? Let's do it. Mm. Sweet, sweet fries. See you oh later. My. Bye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.